Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Media Boat Podcast special March Madness Tournament Bracket Celebration for 2023, where this year we are doing the Taylor Swift Eras Tournament. That's the sound of the crowd um, at um, Glendale, uh, at the stadium in Glendale on Friday is going to sound like, ah, ah, we love you, Taylor. Freaking out. Anyways, yes, this is the week uh, that the kickoff of the Eras uh, tour in real life happens, but it's part three of our Taylor Eras tournament uh, in already in progress. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. And yes, we are kicking off, and sorry, while she kicks off her Eras tour, we will continue our journey through the whole discography that Taylor has so graciously appointed to our ears. And I see that very lovingly and also very sarcastically as this episode, we are in the pop era. So, yeah, if you've been listening so far or if you haven't, here's basically what we're doing here. Ultimately, we want to create a bracket of 16 of Taylor Swift's best songs to then um, narrow down to one winner, one best song of her career. A couple notes, though. We are sticking to just album tracks, so anything on her 10 albums, not including bonus tracks, is eligible here. And the first four episodes we're spending going through her albums, the songs on on which that are going to be good enough to get onto that bracket of 16. And like you mentioned, this is the third episode of of our podcast series here, and we've already gone through two of her previous eras. We've gone through her first two albums, which we've referred to as her country era, uh, debut and fearless. And we've gone through what I called her experimental era, which was speak now in red. So yes, as you said, we are in the pop era firmly, uh, very easy to name this era as starting with 1989 and 2014, which is a confusing thing to say. Um, she <laughs> pivoted to pop officially. It wasn't like the crossover pop success she had with Fearless and Red. No, this time it was she said she was going pop. She got Max Martin to work with her. It was a pivot and going all the way through Lover in 2019 before her next big pivot, which we'll get to next time. Um, But today we're going to go through all three of these records, 1989, Reputation and Lover, and go through each song. And we'll start Yep. Uh, we'll go through each song, we'll give it a rating, and we'll see where if it continues, if it doesn't. And like you said, debate until we have four songs from this era. So, since we have three albums to get to, <laughs> and oh boy, a total of 46 songs in total, our largest uh, set yet, let's get right into it. Yes. It starts yes. with 1989. So yeah, to be real brief about 1989, like I said, it was our official pivot to pop. Uh, she's working with pop producers here, most notably Max Martin and his part writing partner, Shellback. A lot of pop. It's definitely in a pop direction, like completely not a, completely abandoning her past. But it's very clear that she took the success of Red Singles, uh, I Knew You Were Trouble and We Are Never Ever Coming Getting Back Together and basically said, that's what I want to do. And she called it 1989, not only because that's her birth year, but also because it Wanted, she wanted it to evoke an 80s synth sound, and several of the songs do. So, 
Without further ado, let's start from the top here. The first opening track of 1989, Welcome to New York. And right off the bat, you get that synth pop. Yes, right off the bat, it comes in with the the the, uh, the synths. It comes in sounding all 80s. Um, but it feels to me more like a statement song. It's like, here we are. Uh, this is the new sound. Um, we're gonna cr- like we're gonna creep in. We're not gonna like surprise you or shock the pants out of you. This is pretty much a boilerplate '80s pop like styled pop song. And honestly, it doesn't do a whole lot to me. Um, the one notable thing that I have here about it is it's cool that this is the song that gives her first no- a nod towards the LGBTQ community, where she has that line about the boys and boys and girls and girls being able to love love who you love. As I mean, as the name implies, this is her saying, hey, I live in New York now, like in real life, she had moved there. And and this was kind of her like world opening up to a world that she hadn't necessarily been, you know, super aware of back when she lived in Tennessee or before that Pennsylvania. Uh, this song also is not only just time of the 80s and that's it, but also the relatively uh, current time with EDM kind of music and style influence within this song and also throughout the album as well uh in my notes here i have that it also kind of evokes the um martin solvig dragonette song hello mm-hmm. a bit yeah uh, very of the era of that early um 2010s era yeah i mean this is this is a 2014 here so like she was definitely taking a lot of a um, lot of like pulling a lot of influences from edm of the era as it was huge at the time so yeah, it definitely seeps into the production here. Um, so yeah, I think it's middling. Um, there are better songs that do similar things here. So I've only given it a C. You have as well. So I don't Same. think this one so, moves on. So let's move on to the banger or the first banger of this album, Blank yeah. Space. Uh, so Blank Space. Um, yeah, you've already moved it on, and that is the correct move. Blank Space is a top five Taylor song for me, period. It's the best song on 1989. It may be the best song of this era. I'm looking down the list and like, I think it's tight with some of the songs on Lover, but I think it might be. It's a perfect pop song in my mind. It's constructed super well. It's very Max Martin. It's him working on his like strengths with Taylor. And it has some of Taylor's strengths too. Because to me, this is one of the first times you have that synthesis between taylor's writing skills and her pop construction sensibilities and there's so many iconic lines on this thing the one i specifically wrote down which is i think just so such an iconic moment for her is darling i'm a nightmare dressed by like a daydream (laughs) oh see the one i wrote down was starbucks lovers (laughs) <laughs> yes if it go, if it has a reputation no pun intended it's for that misheard lyric for sure um but i mean the one thing though i think that puts it up into the s tier for me than just that a which uh like it could have gotten is the fact that it is the most meta of the ta- of taylor songs not until like midnight does she have a song really about about being taylor swift it's a it's like a pastiche almost of what a lot of her critics were saying at the time, which was basically like, oh yeah, she dates too many people. Like, what does she do to these men? Kind of like what she like uh, has a little bit of to say of a few other songs, but really it comes together here almost as parody. And it's just so fun to hear her basically making fun of her public persona. 
it's also the first um, one of the first times that she'll continue on where it's kind of spoken word poetry almost, especially in the beginning with the very nice to meet you. How you been? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, Combining exactly. both her writing style of country um, and story driven with that pop sound. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, good synthesis of kind of the two worlds that are clashing here in this record. And yeah, I just kind of coming off of it, like makes me want the whole record to sound like it. But she tries a handful of other things instead, and they work to not work in various degrees of success. So, uh, but yeah, definitely Blake Space moves on. It's definitely one that's going to be in contention for this bracket. Absolutely. All right. And then she follows that up with another song. This one about Harry Styles. (laughs) <laughs> yes allegedly <laughs> allegedly i mean the song is called style yeah so style style is an interesting one because this was huge uh blank space was a single but so was style and style was everywhere for a while it was inescapable on radio um for a period of time and i get why it's extremely catchy um i just don't like it as i think the thing with me uh, why it's not an a for me is that it's not as good to me as the songs that surround it that being said, though, I really like the kind of strutting rhythm it's gotten. It has. It's like perfect for like a fashion show kind of vibe. The chorus is good. Um, I recommend, though, one thing I noticed listening to it today. I listened to it yesterday, uh, The whole, all three of these records yesterday at work through with my AirPods. And then today I put on my like real Sennheiser headphones and like listened to them a little closer and like the higher, higher definition stre- streaming and like the production really stands out on this song. Like there's a whole drum line that you can't hear with a crappy pair of headphones. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. There's something happening in the production here. That's actually kind of notable. Um, and it may be appreciated a bit more, but that being said, it's just like, it's a B to me because it's nothing. It never has striked me as one of my favorites of hers. And it doesn't strike me as a classic, but it's a good rhythmic song. Like that works well in the, the, the kind of the pop vocabulary that she's using here. I mean, it kind of does also evoke of that bygone era, you know, the James Dean kind of like a 50s style that she's yeah. talked about in her previous albums, um, like Long Live, or wait, was it Long Live that we're talking about? Um, not so much that, but like, I think you were taught, you're thinking of Starlight on Red. That's probably, yeah, that's what I'm looking for, Starlight. In fact, it's it's an image that she brings up several times on Red. It's, it's I'm glad that you brought that up because, yeah, it's she, even the titular song red uh kind of talks about that kind of vibe that she's trying to do and of course her iconic red lipstick which was she was always wearing at the time um it's very much where taylor was in this moment style does it evokes that kind of vibe i mean later of course we'd find out that there was a lot more troubling things happening um in taylor's life at this and during this era um but we didn't know any of that at this point uh, but yeah, <laughs> we don't have time to get into that. <laughs> so yeah, move like, on for now. I mean, I like it all right. We can put it here uh, to talk about it a little bit later. But I personally, it's not one of my favorites. All right, uh, let's go to the next song then, where we have it flip flop. Where you liked it more than I did. Mm-hmm. Out of the woods. Yeah, out of the woods. A different kind of song. It takes like what I think where. Welcome to New York starts, but then blows it out of the water. That being said, I don't blame people for maybe not liking this song as much. When I first listened to 1989, I actually didn't like this song at all, but it has been a grower for me. 
And the reason is 100% that amazing, incredible bridge. By the way, I should say up front, I'm going to be saying the word bridge a lot <laughs> over the course of these three records. So if you want to play a fun drinking game at home, <laughs> drink every time I say bridge. Anyways, don't actually do that. I, I'm not liable for you getting drunk off your ass. Um, but this will be the first time I mention it because this is one of the best bridges in her catalog. It's just it's funny you mention that because in my notes I have it's an all too well type of bridge. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, but it's sped up to a pop song level. And it sets a template for what she does with Bridges going forward with a handful of some of her favorite songs. We're going to talk about Cruel Summer later, but Cruel Summer owes its DNA to Out of the Woods. Uh, But yeah, uh, this is just, it feels like, it's a bridge that feels like you're falling down a cliff. (laughs) Like, it really does. It's amazing. And it's just packed full of really great moments. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, just incredible, incredible, incredible. Uh, well, I will say, though, um, one thing I don't like about it is that Tarzan guy in the background vocals. <laughs> oh, oh, I feel like I feel like Jack probably regrets that choice. <laughs> if I had to ask him today, I bet he would be like, yeah, I'd do that different now. <laughs> Tarzan guy will return, by the way. I'll get to that later in the album. Anyway, how do you feel about Out of the Woods? Uh, it's very repetitive in its course. Yes, it's a pop song, and yes, course is supposed to be repetitive, but this just takes it to the nth degree. Yeah. Especially once you get out of that bridge and just repeats and repeats and repeats and just hammers in and like, okay, I get it. I get it. Please stop. A song that does something similar to this that I've been thinking about a lot lately, thanks to her Super Bowl and Oscars appearance, is Rihanna's work. Mm-hmm. A lot of people had said the same thing at the time that that came out, too. It's like half of this song is just work, 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 work. But the thing is, is the same thing happened to that song, too. So maybe I'm just like being, um, I don't know, indoctrinated or brainwashed by the songs that repeat themselves because I end up loving them. <laughs> it does make them easier to listen to and easier to remember. Yeah, I don't know. I get it. But yeah, I think that bridge saves it, saves a pretty otherwise mediocre song for me. So yeah, I gave it an A just out of that strength. So yeah, I think that moves on for now, but it might not last. Yeah. And then speaking of repetitive choruses. Yeah. We move right into all you had to do was stay. Yeah. Um, we're a little split on this one. Um, I want to hear your take first. Uh, I mean, that's the main takeaway that I have is that it's a very repetitive chorus. The verses aren't too meaty. They're very meh. And I think with the previous song um, from her previous album of uh, Speak was it Speak Now with uh, Stay, 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 Stay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stay, Stay, Stay is on. Um, no, that's on Red. Oh, on Red. Yeah, Stay, Stay, you Stay. Keep, you keep forgetting what's on Red. <laughs> Well, I'll try to look back and forth real quick for it. But yeah, I mean, it's the same thing, but done better there for me. Or at least the same kind of message. Yeah. I mean, content-wise, I think you're right. Uh, but where I differ with you is that I really, really like the, uh, the 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 melody, how she plays with the melody here. I like the staccato back and forth between stay and hey in the chorus. So it's like, stay, hey. Da, 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 da. Like, I really like how the chorus hits those offbeats. And then also, I love the transition between the chorus and 
drink the bridge the let me remind you this like that again the staccato into the longer held note it really works for me there's a momentum there that i really like and i really like the refrain of not like this makes me think that the uh, taylor's watch the matrix a lot (laughs) 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 not like this anyway i don't know um, they always go back and forth with it just because she doesn't actually say stay it's echoed as she's singing both the bridge and the chorus Right. It doesn't feel that that's the reason why it doesn't really feel repetitive to me, because there is it's not like she's saying it a lot. She says it more and stay, stay, stay. In fact, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's it's. I, I get where you're coming from. But, yeah, I think I, I still really, really like it. It's not like a classic. I don't know, I think. So it's OK if this doesn't move on. That's all right, because we can shake it off and move on to the next one. <laughs> all right. Because here comes the trumpets. Yeah, like it or not, here comes the trumpets. <laughs> yeah, so shake it off. It's, you know, an iconic Taylor moment. You know, it has the video where she's dancing awkwardly. This is, I believe, this was a number one hit. I think. Yes. This hit number one. It was a big deal for her at the time. It was everywhere. And four um, weeks at number one. And for good reason. It's a catchy ass song. And she also sounds like she's having a lot of fun here, which is what I love about it. It's also the second song so far on this record where she's kind of commenting on her public persona. There's lines about like, like, like where she's self-aware. And like, I think that's fun. And it's, and it's, it's cool to see Taylor kind of owning this shit. Um, Where I, what I don't love about it that keep it from me from like being like a, like stone cold classic in my mind in my mind are those horns they don't sound great to me i don't really love the background vocals um and i don't and i still really don't like that that talky the talky bit in the bridge where she says like like getting down to this sick beat i've never liked it it's cheesy it just it's never been something i'm like oh that's funny no i i could do without it completely but you know, she does give us other iconic lines, you know, like players are gonna play, haters are gonna hate. Yeah. Shake, shake, shake. It's a fun, it's boppy. It's a very fun and funky beat too. I enjoy the trumpets just coming in, <laughs> blaring. It's big, it's loud, it's bombastic. It's as I always refer to as stadium arena music, arena yeah. sounds. That's exactly yeah. what she's going for in this. I feel ya. I feel ya. I get it. And I get why it's a big hit. My favorite part, I will say, is that she goes into diva mode with her voice in the the in the at the end of the song where she does that real cool run with fake, fake, fake. She's like, fake, fake, fake. I'm like, whoa, Taylor, all right. <laughs> <laughs> she never does that again. It's like somebody told her, like, like Max was shouting from the back, be like, try a run there. And she did it. <laughs> I feel like she even learned your lesson. And maybe that's not her not not really great for her voice. Regardless, yeah, Shake It Off is an iconic Taylor song. If we want if you want to move it on, I think it's fair. We'll put it over for now. I mean, there are other songs that we will get to. Yeah. Especially when we get into Lover. Yes. That may bump it out. Yeah, we'll see. So let's move on. All right. All right. I wish you would is the next oh. song here. You wish I, I would what? 
I love, well, listen to this beat because I think she's, she talks about the sick beat in Shake It Off, but I don't think Shake It Off has a sick beat. But you know what has a sick beat is I wish you would. Man, that 80s ass gated drum sound at the beginning sounds amazing. This is probably the closest to an actual 80s sound like on this record, in my opinion. She, I feel like, achieves it here in a way that it doesn't really achieve elsewhere. Um, and I love it. I think it drives the song that otherwise would kind of sound kind of boring. It kind of reminds me of Reputation's Getaway Car, which we'll talk about later. It's almost like a proto version of the same kind of driving rhythm. And I love the uh, 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 I, I wish I wish I chorus. It's so catchy. And it like that's again, that staccato rhythm. That's the Max Martin effect right there. Like you can tell what's Max, like what Max's ideas are on this record, because they're constantly the ones that Taylor just wouldn't have like. And that's not to her fault. It's just that he's literally worked in pop music for so long. You can tell that those are his like moves. And this is definitely a Max Martin move. And it works so well for me. There's just something about the song that just makes it sound too familiar to a different song. Hmm. I want to say because you did that, ah, uh, 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 that it's mm-hmm. also the beginning to "You Belong with Me." A little bit, but not. It doesn't. It doesn't strike me the same. I don't know. I, I'm drawing a really drawing a blank, trying to figure out what song it reminded me of, though. <laughs> oh, trust me, I went through that when we get when we talk about reputation. I will talk about that because that's a very real effect, and it's one of the reasons why that record does not sit well, uh, personally. <laughs> but we'll get there. Uh, no, I know what you're saying. It, it's there's a familiarity to it, uh, but in this case, it really works for me. Again, it, yeah, it's, it just feels a like a very classic. safe Taylor song, though. Uh-huh. Doesn't really try to do anything new, nothing too out there, nothing too different. It's right in her wheelhouse, which isn't doesn't necessarily a bad thing, but also why I didn't give it a B. Why I only gave it a B. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I like it, but yeah, it doesn't have to move on because there are stronger things here. All right, so let's move on to uh, boy. Uh, the divisive song, <laughs> Bad Blood. So I gave a shout out to to him last podcast, but on Rob Sheffield, the music critic for Rolling Stone, on his gigantic list of Taylor Swift songs that he's ranked, he has Bad Blood as dead last. In her entire catalog. I don't think I don't I don't think I dislike it as much as he does. However, I do think that Bad Blood is one of her weakest songs. I think the beat is boring. I think the lyrics are lame. I feel like the chorus feels unfinished. Almost like where there should be rhyme, there isn't sometimes. And it's just it's it is such a slow pace. It's such a weird thing. That being said, I love the video. I think the video is fun. It was a really cool idea for her to like get all her, you know, f- favorite friends and be superheroes for a day. It's really awesome. Uh, but man, the song is just, I don't know. It just seems like it's like a preview of some of the worst points in reputation for me. It sounds like she's almost trying to write her hollaback girl. <laughs> it, I'm guessing it's the exaggerated chorus. Yeah, it's just, bad it's blood. Yeah, bad it's just, love you've done. Yeah, it doesn't sound good to me. It also, all, so I think it owes a lot to Hollaback Girl, and also owes owes a lot to Avril Lavigne's girlfriend, <laughs> which is also not a great song. 
<laughs> by the way. And yeah, I do think one though one thing that it gave us though, she'll revisit the cheerleader kind of feel on a later song that we'll talk about today that does it way better. Uh, but yeah, I don't personally like Bad Blood. I understand why it was a hit. I believe she also got a number one hit here. Uh, I'm not sure about the number one hit, but you know, it was everywhere. It was different. It, I think what you're missing is it's a, it's a song of its time. You know what? You you can say that. I don't know if that's 100% true. I think it does take a lot of influence from stuff that was happening at the same time. But I still think the beat is just too spare compared to a lot of other stuff. I feel like there needs to be something else happening in that chorus. And there needs to be a better bridge, I think, maybe, for it to like really feel propulsive. It just doesn't feel like it has momentum to me. All right. It's okay if it doesn't move on. <laughs> but but well, well well what do you like about it because you haven't really said your piece well i mean yes the music video but you can't just base it all off the music video <laughs> yeah. uh it's it's just a good sounding beat yes exaggerated chorus but it's also something that is different than other taylor songs yeah there's also the big feud going on between behind the scenes about it uh, between her and Katy Perry, which also played into yeah. it. Yeah, which seems like such a silly deal now, but... Oh, yeah, now it's a silly deal. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know. Maybe right. I just put, made to put it too fa- uh, favorably because of nostalgia ears. Yeah, because I was going to say, it's like, your argument doesn't sound like an A, but I'll take it. <laughs> oh, no, I'll drop it if I have to. <laughs> no, it's okay. We did... The, the, us, the, the equivalent of that is just not moving it on, which is fine yeah. with me. So, yeah, it's fine. We can be divided on that one. Let's talk about something else where we're divided on, which is Wildest Dreams. This was so, another huge, huge hit for her. Uh, this was also inescapable on radio. And I'm still bewildered by that years, years later, because I just do not get it. I mean, the one obvious thing to say here is uh, she heard Lana Del Rey. And was like, I could do that. <laughs> but the thing is, is that even Lana Del Rey at the time was like still learning um, kind of her approach. And it does evoke that kind of early couple, first couple of records that Lana put out. Where it's just all very like flowing and long, like long choruses and just very like dreamlike production, which I didn't really love at the time either from her. So for me... It's kind of a snore fest. Um, I get why people like it, but I think the synths actually sound kind of bad now. I don't think that the production of the song has aged very well. Like the beginning of the song, especially to me, sounds like, what am I powering up Legend of Zelda Ocarina at a time on my N64? It's like, it sounds so, the synth sound, the synth sounds so weird and MIDI almost. And like, it does not work for me, especially now on like a good pair of headphones. It just doesn't hit. Um, though I do like, the one that I do like about it, though, is the bit where she says, my last request it is. <laughs> that it is. is just so funny to me. <laughs> I don't know so, what yeah. years you're listening to. This is a banger of a song. Yeah, I love right. how she combines the elements that she's done over the course so far and combines it with both talking about the past and the future into here. Saying that you'll remember me for what we did, but also in the future in your wildest dreams. Yeah. It's this really nice cross section between the two different tailors that we've seen. 
And yes, even like that chorus, like you said, wildest dreams. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and just, the focus of red, the red lips, the rosy cheeks. Yeah, it just it meanders a bit, I think, for me. Um, I think I, I just, yeah, I the, the, the problem with me is that like it can be really well constructed and I get where she's coming from. But ultimately, it's just not something that I is my taste, I think. And I just, yeah, I didn't really care for what it was trying to do, which makes it a me problem and not a song, not the problem of the song. So we can move it on. I think just on the strength of your recommendation, it was a huge hit for her. It is an iconic Taylor moment. So I think it's fair. Uh, I just don't know how it's going to do with some of these other options. It might not be one of the best with the other options. I mean, I think we can say at least one of these other songs that we've talked about is going to go on. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, I, I but at yeah. least we gave it its piece. I think I think yes. that your your argument makes sense. I do really love the breakdown, not the one that you said. Oh yeah, that um, burning the one it after down. It. <laughs> no, no, the one after it where it oh. breaks it down to the say you'll remember me and like all the music cuts out. I knew you were standing say in a that. nice dress, have, staring in the sunset. I have a note actually on a song that we'll talk about soon, where I'm like, "Oh, Mike's gonna love the part where the music drops out." Yes, I think I put that in here. Yes, music drop, bump it up. <laughs> <laughs> you have a weakness. It's okay. We'll talk about some of my weaknesses soon too. But uh, but yeah, um, I think we move it on for now, and and then yeah, and then we can we can talk about it later. All right, so let's move on then to. How you get the girl? Yeah, um, I like the song. Um, I think it sounds like "Shake It Off." Smarter little sister is what I wrote down. Um, they're similar in kind of vibe, but I like this song a little better because of how it's written. It's less about like it's like Taylor's own kind of like owning her silliness, and more like it's actually like kind of advice. It's like her being like, "Hey, I'll tell you what works." <laughs> come over listen I'll, I'll tell you what my opinion is but it also kind of doubles as like she's not only just telling who this mystery person how 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 like she believes that like romance starts but it's almost almost like a recap of what's worked for her and like what's worked with her and so it's kind of cute it's a cute little moment um i do like uh the the acoustic strumming in it it stands out from the rest of the album because of that and it reminds me a lot of like young taylor it reminds me a lot bit of fearless um and the best part though is the 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 uh bridge version of the chorus even though it's basically just a um altered version of the chorus here i like the uh 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 part it's fun um so yeah i think it's fun i get why a lot of people would say that it's not a most the most memorable song on 1989 uh but for me i wanted to appreciate it at least for a moment here Go ahead. I'll let you appreciate it. The one line that I did like about it is the I want you forever and ever. Mm -hmm. I could wait forever and ever. (laughs) Just right at the beginning of the chorus. Yeah. I like that line. I think it's a great line. Uh, And it's cool how she kind of like shouts it too. Forever and ever. Yeah, it's a cool moment. Yeah. But that's the only good part that I liked about the song. Yeah, it doesn't move on. I get I get what you're saying. It's like, it's fine. But like, I, I just, I think it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on then to the metaphor song. Yeah. 
So Taylor does go in metaphor mode a lot. We talked a lot bit about it last week, um, especially in Red, uh, the song on the album. Uh, here, though, I don't love it here. Um, I think the vibe of this is a little slow for me. I do think the production is interesting. I really like the the vocal echo that she has um, a filter coming on, like on her voice in this song. But it just stands out like a sore thumb for me on this record. It doesn't sound like it fits. Maybe if Taylor wrote like a song that was evoking 80s power ballads or like, or sorry, an album that was like evoking that side of the 80s sound, then maybe. But on a song full of pop songs it, or an album, again, did it again. An album full of pop songs, it just doesn't feel like a fit. Also, her voice does not fit here. I think that the song is just not written. It feels like it was written for somebody else, even though that's not the case. It's. It's, like I said, it's a song about a lot of metaphors and kind of in, trying to evoke more of a feeling and more of a image. But she does better on so many other songs, though. Yeah, I agree. And the bridge is weird. The da, na, 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 I don't like it. It's just like, Did it doesn't seem great for her. Huh? Drank, you said bridge. <laughs> I told you, it's going to be a lot. So yeah, this uh, that's what we don't need to dwell on it. It doesn't move on. All right. Uh, so then let's move on then. Two more songs on this album. Penultimately, I Know Places. And I... this is the one that starts with that tape recorder sound. Yeah, I think it's cool. I like the sound of this song. I like the production here. It sounds real cool. It's a moody production. It's the thing that I think Bad Blood should be. I think this should have been the hit. Because it's got a nice groove to it. It's dark, but it's not, like, overwhelming. It's, like, a good preview of, I think, an alternate universe in which re- reputation was better. <laughs> it all sounded like this. And I love when she just screams, We run! at the top of her lungs, and her voice cracks. It's just amazing. And I know she won't be able... The best part of it, though, is I know she won't be able to replicate that sound for the Taylor's version. There's no way her <laughs> voice could do that anymore. <laughs> It's it, see, this is what I was talking about from the previous song, This Love. Well, this love is all over the place with lots of metaphors. This is just the one metaphor <laughs> we're hawked, we're a bunch of foxes, and we're being hunted, but we're just gonna <laughs> run and run and run until they catch us. Yeah, but it sounds so cool. I'm invoking the metaphor of like running from the paparazzi, yeah, running it's from all, all your responsibilities and being in love. Yeah, I mean, that's a read of it, I think that's part of the read. It almost foreshadows some of the stuff on Evermore, uh, where it almost sounds like she's warning a future partner. It's like, hey, my life's hard. Like, you're going to join me here. It's, I can't, again, like like she says on Evermore, she can't bring you peace. Like, there's it's never going to be cool because there's always going to be people, like, trying to get on her shit. Um, I like that part of it, for sure. Um, and so, for me, I don't think that the metaphor feels strained. Uh, but I guess I get what you're saying. I don't know. It doesn't move on, though. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's fair. All right. And then that brings us to the last song on the album, Clean. It's fine. It's fine. It's getting over the breakup. (laughs) It's accepting. It's moving on. It's nothing we haven't heard before from her or trying to uh, say before. Yeah, I agree. And it's just like feels like another end capper to her album, much in the same way that 
uh, change was for the end of Fearless. Yeah, it definitely feels the same kind of like anti-climax in a way for me. I do have a few notes, though. Uh, one, is this the same Weinstein dress from Maroon? <laughs> uh, probably not. I wonder if she just... Uh, we'll get there five years from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then um, also, I just in general don't love when songs use drug use as a metaphor for love. Don't love it. So I don't love it here. I just don't love it in general. She'll do it again, too, later uh, in her career. But um, I just don't love it. So that already kind of rubs me the wrong way. But then also... Does she imply that she t- punched a hole in an actual roof in this song? Or is that a metaphor? I've always wondered. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just uh, her like blowing the roof off of everywhere she goes. <laughs> hey, I bet she, we've been, it's been proven that she can. So that's 1989. Um, we have moved on five songs. To recap, Blank Space, Style, Out of the Woods, Shake It Off, and Wildest Dreams, which are, I think, yeah, probably the five songs that you move on. (laughs) Yeah. So we will revisit those to try to pare that down. But next, we have to talk about Reputation. All right. All right. So a bit of a foreshadow, forewarning here. I did not rank a high song on this. And I get it. I have two A's. Everything reputation, else is just a B or below. Reputation has a, well, reputation for being the black mm-hmm. sheep in her catalog. And there's a reason for it. It was Her life was chaos at the time. There's a lot of baggage that went into reputation and came out of reputation. Let's go down real quick the list of things that were happening during this era. So reputation is during the time in which Kanye West records Famous for his album Life of Pablo, where he infamously calls taylor to get his approval to get her approval to use her name on the track um the track comes out uh turns out that she said that the line is that he thinks that they could have still had sex because he quote made that bitch famous unquote taylor then says to the press hey i said it was cool for him to do that but he didn't tell me about the bitch part and so she makes it like makes it like a stink which I sounds negative, more negative when I mean than I mean, but she basically says like out in public that that was not cool. Kanye and her is at the time wife Kim uh, basically come in and say, "Well, that wasn't what it was. She's lying," and it becomes a press nightmare for Taylor. And people at the time took Kanye's side largely, and it became a internet boycott essentially of Taylor's uh, Taylor's music, and it just kind of took her career down for a period of time and it was rough um all that snake imagery uh, comes to mind where people just kept calling her the liar in the situation of course time went on uh, eventually proved that she was probably in the right at that time and stuff for kanye only went downhill after this so out of that feeling of kind of like back and forth, not really like loving the press, uh, Taylor retreats. She basically goes out like out of the public eye for a couple of years and in the process of which gets her friends, mostly Jack Antonoff, and records the songs for Reputation. And that's why I think it feels like it does. It feels like somebody who is very clearly going through some shit and going back and forth about how she feels about herself, how she feels about her career, and how she feels about people who have like made her life hell, uh, a.k.a. Kanye West. The other thing that happens, though, during Reputation, what makes this kind of a weird record 
is at the same time while she's going through all of this hate, she also finds love. Uh, she meets Joe Alwyn and they fall in love with each other. She also dates Calvin Harris. We'll get to that later. Uh, but but yeah, like um, this is kind of a pivotal point in her career because this is the first person she actually wants to settle in with and they're still together this day. And so Reputation comes out feeling like half a bitter like revenge record and the other half a genuine love record like a love story record and it's weirdly disparate because of it it feels like those two ideas are smashed into each other and it just leads to a very inconsistent feeling album <laughs> it, oh i'm sorry do you want me to add to that <laughs> I was just curious if you had anything to say. Oh, yeah. And also, she feels, I guess she got really into hip-hop. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to that in the second song here. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I don't know but, if you had anything to add to that. Oh, no. It's a, I mean, like you said, it's widely considered one of her, uh, not the best record. It's definitely goes some places. Um, <laughs> you could say this is more experimental than pop. But ah. at the same time. Yes and no. I think it's very of its time. It's very influenced by the things happening around her at the time. Yes. Yes. It is most, yeah, I think that's a good point because I feel like Reputation comes across as her most reactive album. She is definitely not the protagonist. She is reacting to everything around her. She does. It's not really like she's making a whole lot of decisions here. And I think that's why it ultimately leads to some of her weakest songwriting. It doesn't feel like she's the like controlling the narrative because i think at the time she felt like she was definitely not she felt like she was law had lost her control uh so yeah let's start for it if you're ready for it to start talking about ready for it the first song on the album <laughs> uh yeah rap taylor meets pop taylor yeah i have a note here that says uh ready for it to me sounds like a taylor swift song that is drowning in a sea of hip-hop and only occasionally comes up for air. In the chorus. <laughs> it feels like two songs. Yeah. It feels like two songs smashed together. Where it sounds like it comes out swinging. Like, oh, okay, we're getting rap Taylor or hip hop Taylor. And like, she's going for it. And then all of a sudden the chorus happens. And you're like, wait a minute. Hey, it's a Taylor Swift song. But then it gets buried again under this, like, the blaring, like, buzz. The hard machine sounds. The yeah. And, duh, then it just, duh, duh. and you keep wanting for it to come back um because you're like wait a minute there was a song here and then it keeps going away and so yeah i have it as a d because it's just like for me it just doesn't give it time like the actual melody get, get uh has no time to breathe in it one thing i do like though i really like her pun on her own name with the he'll be a merchant to this tailor line always very funny to me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um not a great song I mean, the reason I only have it to see is because the chorus I like as he comes into it, like you said, like yeah. breath of air, but then it immediately dives down into the depths of both this hard, kind of grungy um, R&B rap sound that she goes into, yeah. which also doesn't fare too well in the next song on this album, Endgame. <laughs> so. All right, yeah, let's talk about Endgame. Okay, um, it's got a big reputation. 
Yeah, big reputation. So big I'm just going to read the note that I have here because I think it really like sums it all up. My note is as follows. Why is Future here? Ed Sheeran is rapping? I guess he does that sometimes. Just feels weird. Even the Taylor bits are kind of odd. She's in Drake mode at first, then she thinks she's ludicrous. Though <laughs> <laughs> so I do have written down the one thing that saves the song for me from being like the worst. Um, I do like... I bury hatchets, but keep maps of where I put them. That's a very Taylor line, and I do like <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, it's the big reputation game. It's, I mean, it's where the, I want to assume it's where the name of the album comes from. Y- yeah, uh, I'm not sure. That may be a chicken and an egg scenario there. I don't yeah. know. But, uh, but yeah. But yeah I... Future shows up with the verse, and then Ed Sheeran shows up with the verse, and then Taylor tries to do a verse of her own. And once again, it just shows that Taylor doesn't do too well with other people. I don't know. I think she's all right. But yeah, the guest spots are kind of lame. Um, I think she's she raps okay. Um, but again, I didn't know that can Taylor rap well was ever a question anybody wanted an answer to. But here it is in the form <laughs> of the song. Um, yeah, it's weird. It stands out in her catalog and not for a good reason. It's something, yeah, we could just forget about. <laughs> yeah, it's one <laughs> of the most out there songs. For sure, for sure. So let's move on. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Did I say that was the most out there song? Oh, it gets worse than that. So I would say worse. Eh. So I did something bad. I don't like the song, but you somehow don't like it more. Um, I have it down here that I just think this song is lame. I don't think it's necessarily awful. I just think it just sounds bad. Um, the bridge just slows everything down and just grinds it to a halt. I do. I, I hate how she like really drags out the lines in that bridge where it's like, they're burning all the witches, even if you aren't one. Just that aren't one, aren't just really bugs me. Just don't like it. Um, also, Tarzan guy returns and just is saying <laughs> gibberish in the background. What the hell? Like, apparently, in an interview at the time, she said that that part came to her in a dream. Well, if that's the case, Taylor. Maybe don't write down everything that you have dreams about. Well, it's okay. Eventually she'll put it in a Midnight's album. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, I just don't, I don't get it. And yeah, so so explain your F. This is the only F you've given so far. It was a dark, it's a dark trap sound. It's nothing that she's done before, mm. which is both good. You know, it's it's getting out there. It's trying new things, but none of it works for me. It's just yeah. I maybe we want to just hit skip immediately. Like this is not what I came here for. <laughs> I get that even with the first three songs, the first two songs that you're like trying to prep me for this, that it's coming. Like this is gonna be Dark Taylor here. And it just keeps going. I'm like, nope, nope, what else is on here? There's gotta be something good in here. <laughs> nope, not really. Nope. It's fine, but like it just sounds it just sounds bad. Straight up. It just sounds bad. Um let's move on to something that sounds a little better. Uh, which is Don't Blame Me. Um, I feel like I'd like this song better if it didn't do that thing that you described where it reminds me of something. And I was literally racking my brain for years at this point trying to figure out what it was, and I figured it out today. It reminds me of the Nina Simone blues standard Feeling Good. You may be more familiar with the Michael Buble cover. Okay. <laughs> it's the one that's like, and I'm feeling good. It's got like, 
da 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 kind of like beat to it and then it's like mm-hmm. bird fly in the sky you know how i feel anyway don't blame me reminds me too much of that song and so it's distracting for me so every time i hear it i'm like it doesn't feel original and that's my biggest problem with reputation as a whole too much of it sounds derivative and it's distract it, it distracts me from the thing that taylor swift does best which is typically write a song that only taylor swift can write so much reputation feels like it's something else it's beyond her range it's out of her zone and this is definitely the earliest example on the record for me that show does that for me um it's definitely a song that for me feels like it belonged on 1989 it is very synth pop um not even that i don't even think it's that that synthy um I do think that the dubstep is too much, though. I have I have a note here that say that the the wobbles have not probably aged very well. Well, there's also the um, verse or chorus, yeah, the chorus of um, what was it like likening the uh, love to a drug in the harmonic chorus again? Yeah, same again, same bit. going back to this love mm-hmm. that we just talked about or uh, clean, which we clean. just talked about. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's just that the lyrics don't really uh help it out in my opinion it's like it's fine but i don't know again it just evokes in, in a very much. dark album it's one of the few brighter spots i guess but tonally it's not though because like it's just as it's just as drony and and in minor key as the rest of it it's just to me it's not even a ray of sunshine All right, so then let's actually talk about Array of Sunshine then. Yeah, because that's not moving on. But what might be is, yeah, is the next song, Delicate. Um, I like Delicate all right. I feel like it's sound. I have a note here. It's like, finally, a song that sounds like Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it is a breath of fresh air on this record, I think. I like the island adjacent rhythm that it has. It's like, like, it's a nice kind of, it reminds me of, uh, the song the, on Drake's "Take Care," the titular tri- track "Take Care," the duet that he he does with Rihanna, uh, the and it does kind of remind of like that kind of era of Drake songs. And I feel like Taylor was taking notes because um, it's very like da 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 da. da, 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 da. I like mm-hmm. that kind of rhythm mm-hmm. to it, and it really gives an energy to the song that a lot of songs on this record don't have. Um, and also the clearest lyric, I think, on the record at uh, of this point. I think on the first half of this, of Reputation, I think I like the lyrics most here. It's very genuine. It sounds genuine, what she feels about this guy. Um, also, it's it's funny when she says chill. <laughs> it's a night on the town, but it's not the bombastic night on the town. It's the quiet night on the town. Um, meeting someone saying, I've got a reputation. You know I have a reputation. Mm-hmm. Is it cool, though? Yeah. Like, trying Again, to be, try, try to find a normality in and otherwise as the previous four songs of this album. Chaotic world that she's in. Yeah, it's that recurring theme of warning somebody, being like, hey, this isn't going to be easy. Like, you have to like me for me. So you, like, and it's nice. It's like a nice moment, I think, for her. And I don't want to necessarily call it a breakthrough moment, but it doesn't, it definitely feels like she's figuring something out here with her relationship with Joe, where she's like, oh, wait, actually, he's going to stick around. Like, he's not going to bail. 
it's going to be hard, but it's not going to like bail. But even at this moment, though, she was not sure about it. Hence, delicate. She felt like the situation was going to fall apart before it started. And I'm happy to tell her that it it worked out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, let's move on to another clunker. Uh, you like this better than I did. Uh, I liked it for its reputation. But then again, <laughs> this is also Billie Eilish's favorite song. <laughs> and there's a reason. Spoken poetry. You can absolutely f- hear like the future, uh, a future Billie Eilish in uh, Look What You Made Me Do. But I think this song sucks i'll be honest um just like um i uh did or uh blah, 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 uh don't blame me it very clearly is influenced by another song here except this time the writers are credited uh because taylor was honest about it it's i'm too sexy by right mm-hmm. right said fred it's very much interpolating that song and to me again it's too distracting like it doesn't sound like Taylor gets full ownership of it because of how much it sounds like that other song. And then the stuff that they did on the outside to make you forget it, the production, I think is just straight up bad. It sounds so weird. So many strange choices. I don't know what they were thinking with it. It's like buzzes and robot voices. It's distracting. This was the first single off this record. And it was the moment I think everybody was like, what the hell is she doing? And I know why it was the first first single, because that's what Taylor wanted. Taylor specifically put it out because she wanted people to be like, wow, this is different. She's really doing something different. Down to the voicemail sample of the infamous death of old Taylor. Mm-hmm. But I don't like it because I feel like if that actually paid off, then I would feel different about it. But the thing is, is that none of that actually pays off. The old Taylor is resurrected later. Like she never dies. Um, <laughs> it's it's almost like a a false, it's like a false pivot. It feels like a moment that should have been a big moment that never paid off. And thus, and to me, it just feels like just, it doesn't ring true. It doesn't ring honest to me. Also, the last thing I'll say about it is it's gotta be a riff on what, Kanye did with Jesus, right? Like she's I feel like the production is so messy, it's got to be messy on purpose. It's got to be Taylor was like, "Hey, if he makes a thing that sounds all weird and rough, I can do it too in a song that's making fun of him." <laughs> I mean, I kind of get that through with the lyrics, I guess. Of uh, look what you made me do. I didn't want to yeah. go this route. Right. But this is my response to you. And it's so obvious, too. That's another thing I don't love about it. It's just, it's such an obvious, it's so obvious that it's about Kanye. Like, the tilted stage bit at the beginning. It's like, yeah, we all know. We saw it. It's like, like, all right, Taylor. I like her when, I'll say this again later on a different song, but I I like her her bitter, I like bitter Taylor when she's a little bit more vague. And it's not hitting you in the face with how obvious it is. But I am fascinated I, I need to hear the Taylor's version of this so bad because I want to know what they do with it because they can't just keep it as it is. It's so bizarre. I just don't get it. So explain your B. <laughs> it's a sexy song. <laughs> it's it? her trying to be sexy. Look what you made me do. Look what you made me do. Ooh, ooh, look what you made me do. It's her... <laughs> In this very like dark, 
like trap sound trying to be sexy. I don't get sex from any of it. Unless he's having sex with robots. Yeah. (laughs) It's a sexy sound that she's trying to evoke here. And yes, it's the, I mean, the reason it's a B and not an A for me is because it does do the one thing I keep harping on is the repeat of the yeah. lyrics, especially in the second yeah. half of the song. It's excruciating. It repeats and repeats and repeats. Yeah, it's excruciating here, though, because it just doesn't sound good. I knew from the moment I heard this for the first time, I was like, nah, I hate this. And I still feel the same way that I did the first day I heard it. Anyway, it's a whiff. Is what I'll say. Uh, I think it's just it's a beat because I've had my own um, kind of meta joke with it. <laughs> and like, look what you made me do! You made me draft Marshawn. You made me do this. You made me do that. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's been useful. <laughs> yes, it's brought lots of laughs here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Um, let's move on to the next song. I, unfortunately, no. Unfortunately for you, that does not move on. Oh, no, no, that's not, that's not going to move on. <laughs> uh, and so it goes into the next song. So it goes. Um, all right, I'll, I'll give you my brief comments here. Yeah. Meh. Yeah, exactly. So it goes <laughs> to me is a missed opportunity. Um, I feel like if it was a little bit more dynamic, I feel like there'd be something to it. But it's a lot less interesting because of how limited the melody is. It doesn't do enough. And then, but what I will say though is that this is when reputation pivots. This is when the album kind of pivots on its axis and it's like, it's no longer the bitter, dark, goth Taylor uh, album. We're going to pivot more into some love songs for you. I mean, there's an exception later, but for the most part, this is where the change happens. And I do appreciate it for that. But also, the bridge is just bad. It's just not fun. Um, I don't care how she's drinking her beer, whether it be in plastic cups or not. It's fine. The song's fine. Yeah, but who's but it's just it's, it's just boring. Oh, yeah. The fucking, uh, yeah, the counting. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. All right. So let's move on then to a more angelic sound on the oh, album. You're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry. You you did right correcting me. The plastic cups bridge is on King of My Heart, which is later. See, this yep. is the problem with reputation. I get these songs mixed up in my head. Anyway. Next up Anyways. is Gorgeous. Yes. Um, I like Gorgeous all right. Um, it's kind of cheesy, but I like that it's fun. Um, it's it's cheesy Taylor, uh, but it's but it's kind of fun, cheesy Taylor. It almost feels like a good preview, or like a good like uh, preview of some of the stuff of Lover, where she leans into the cheese and she has fun doing it. And of course, I love when she stumbles home to her cats. Dot 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 alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an angelic pop nature of a song, yeah. but it just doesn't mesh with the rest of the album. You're right, and that's why I like about it. <laughs> I like that it's kind of a moment of like little sunshine. Like I said, it's similar. I think she takes this and uses a template for a lot of songs on Lover. And she does it better there. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's a start. And I'll give her that. Like, I enjoy Gorgeous. I like, I think it's cute. Um, And it's, yeah, it's a momentary reprieve from the darkness and the leather, you know? But does it move on? No. 
it doesn't. That, I know. like it all right, but yeah, you 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 don't you don't quite agree. No, I don't. <laughs> all right, so let's get to an actual good song that we actually both enjoyed. Then, yeah, let's get to a banger. All right, getaway car. There's not a whole lot of songs that you can call in Taylor Swift's catalog that you can call bangers, but I think I'm, I, I think getaway car is a safe safe pick for that. I think it's an absolute banger. Um, again, kind of cheesy, but it's all right. It makes it work. I love the chorus. It just soars. Just da 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 da. It's probably the most dynamic song on the record. It definitely stands out because of it. It's also the most Jack Antonoff album song on the album. <laughs> it's where you realize, okay, the second half is going to be mostly Jack songs. We're out of the Max Martin shellback zone here. And I think for the best, I think this is where Taylor Field like learned, oh, wait, we work together really well. This fits. This is a match that fits for me. And it's why she's worked with Jack so much after this. And this is, I think, the moment where it really meshes. Um, and I'm a sucker for a key change, okay? I love the key change here. And when she shouts, till we switch to the other side. Oh, it sounds so good. Um, yeah. It sounds like it could have been like on, on an alternate universe version of 1989, but I think that's a good a good thing for it. I'm a sucker for the Bonnie and Clyde lyrics. <laughs> yeah. The imagery. It's the, a great story, um, yeah. It's a fun yeah. story that she's telling here. Hey, it's a getaway car. It's Ronnie and Michelle? Like, no, not Ronnie and Michelle. <laughs> no, Romy and Michelle had the high school reunion. You're thinking of... Um, of um, Thelma and Louise. Uh, yeah, Thelma and Louise <laughs> in their getaway car. <laughs> Except presumably it's a man here, but hey, Taylor will remain a mystery. We'll talk about that later. Um, but... they're, they're both flying away in their getaway car. Yeah, it's fine. It's the, only, like it. it's the only, it is the only traditional sounding Taylor song on this album. Yeah, I I would argue but, that, um, I would argue that, um, um, delicate is close but yeah uh, it's it sounds like 1989 it's the one song it on the sounds like sounds out like of the could, woods it could have existed pre- on the previous record yeah yeah um i think it moves on for now uh we might have to sacrifice it later but i think it deserves to move on at least right now okay we'll move it on for now yeah all right, all right. so let, let's move on then here because we're still in the second album yeah. <laughs> uh with King of My Heart. Yeah, uh it's cute, but it doesn't really go anywhere. It kind of stays in that kind of middle zone for me. I like the up and down talky bridge like I was talking about with the the, the plastic cups. I mean, it's kind of lame, but like ah, uh, it's fine, I guess. It's not a song that sticks out when I listen to the record. Neither for me. It's electronic Taylor voices back. But yeah. the actual narrative of what she's saying is just all over the place. For me, it doesn't make sense. It's a cute love story, but a love song, but it's like, it doesn't do enough with that premise. Yeah, I agree. It's like, it's fine, but it's mediocre. Uh, Whereas like with our our song, wait, was it our song? No. Love Story or <laughs> Sparks Fly or even like Back to December. There's right. an actual like through narrative through her through the song this one seems to be jumping all over the place yeah it's not her best lyric and it's kind of a meandering song Mm -hmm. so yeah we can move on um 
Next up, Dancing with Our Hands Tied. This feels almost of a piece with King of My Heart. I think back to back, they're kind of just like mid. Actually, th- it's kind of three songs that are kind of all middling through this and dress. Um, and yeah, I like this. I think this one survives the best out of the three, personally, but mostly because of the context around it. Um, there's theories that this is where the the Gaylor theories begin between her and Carly Kloss. They start here with dancing with her hands tied because it's the first time she uses that gold or golden imagery to refer to love. Um, And it definitely seems like there's a metaphor happening about a secret love or forbidden love. Dancing with our hands tied implies that there is something that keeps them from being with each other. And there's also the line about an invisible locket. Like, why is it invisible Taylor? Mm -hmm. What can't, why isn't the locket there? It feels like it's a different universe than the songs that are about joe and so i get why a lot there's those theories going around it's like wait taylor is there something you aren't telling us here uh, and it all starts here with this song um and i think that that brings it up a little bit for me it's fun i like it all right um it's kind of a mysterious vibe which i really like it stands out in her catalog because of it yeah i mean it's it's fine like there's a lot of like um where my notes go. <laughs> uh like a trap pop music kind of sound. Yeah. Uh yeah. I didn't really get the kind of like secondary metaphor to it. <laughs> well, yeah, you're not in uh deep into Swifty TikTok like I am. <laughs> no. No, I felt, I felt like lust like lusting for someone, but we can't do anything because we're already in our own relationships. Yeah. But if we, we weren't, we could be dancing together, but we can't because we're tied up over here. Right. Which was the case when Taylor met Joe. Yeah. Uh, so it makes sense from that narrative as well. If you want to take the more straightforward, the official narrative, if you will. Um, yes, I'll yeah. take the straight narrative. You could take the other narrative. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not taking, I'm not saying that I agree with that. I'm just saying that that's where that starts. Um, okay. And we can move on to the song after that, because it also kind of goes with that theme, which is dress. Um, I like the concept of dress. I think it's a cute idea. I think false god on lover does this idea better. Um, I think this is, again, sexy Taylor, except I think she actually comes across as sexy here, unlike what you thought. Um Oh, uh, yes, but, no, I have sexy here, too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but ultimately, the song meanders a bit for me. Um, it does. I, I don't think that the background is very interesting. I think the verses are pretty boring. Um, it feels kind of lame. Uh, but I uh, but I have here. Here's where I have the note. Ask Mike if the B is for when the music drops out. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Except you change. So, oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah, you do have the B. Because, yeah, yes. when she says so stop. It, uh, and look it what stops. you made me do is kind of the sexy dominatrix kind of Taylor. <laughs> Dress is the more traditional, the sexy Taylor. Right. And I yes, think... I do have my notes. Everything drops on stop. <laughs> yes. I do like on paper, I only bought this dress so you could take it off. I think it's a really good line, but the rest of it just doesn't support it to me. And so it's a, it's this kind of a meh production. Anyway, also, I wrote down, has Joe Alwyn ever had a buzz cut? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. Just, just asking questions here. Let's move on. 
to a song that I, again, I just don't like. This is why we can't have nice things. I, yeah, oh, I just have... it's fine. It's middling of the road. I don't it's get fine. it. Um, I, I think the melody is distractingly childish. It almost sounds like kind of a, a like a something like a kid, like teasing another kid almost. It's like, nah, 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 nah. Um, it feels like B-side to look what you made me do. It's because of how specific it is with the Kanye references. It just felt forced to me. It's just not funny. Like the shady bit. Like, come on, Taylor. You're better than this. Um, it's almost like a preview to me on Lover, which we'll get to. <laughs> I just don't like it. Yeah, I just have it's fine. That's why I gave it a C. It's a C. <laughs> it's fine. It's, I mean, same, there could be the same kind of thought process with the next song, Call It What You Want. Yeah. It's fine. There's nothing on it that made me want to write, give it a good review, a good thoughts, bad thoughts. It just felt like a fine Taylor album, very middling of the road. And that's where the C's kind of ultimately land for me is. Yeah. It's fine. I don't actually hate it, but <laughs> I'm not going to like go and listen to it. I'm not going to put it in a rotation of anything. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. So we can move on to the aforementioned call it once you want. I think I like this a little better than you do. Uh, only because it sounds like, again, she's taking like, it's the moment in the in reputation where she just lays all the cards out and explains, I'm doing all right. Don't worry about me. Like, here's what's happened to me. I'm acknowledging it explicitly in the lyrics, um, but I'm in a good place right now. And here's why. And I like that part of it. It feels sweet. It's like it's like a breather. She's taking she's catching her breath with this song. And it seems like it, it describes her relationship with Joe in a genuine way that I actually buy. I don't necessarily buy a lot of the Joe love songs, but this one I do because it sounds like, oh, this is what she sees in this guy. Um, and I really like the back end of the bridge. It sounds classic, like it's got classic Swifty language, like I recall late November. I like that stuff. It sounds like she's returning to a bit of her early writing. And I think that pays off in Lover. Um, where she realizes, oh, wait, people liked, I think 1989 maybe taught her not the necessarily the wrong lesson, but it kind of like was a lapse in her career about like, oh, wait, people like when I get really writerly in my songs. Maybe I should bring that back. And I think she ends up doing it, but not until Lover does she really iron it out. Yeah, I just gave it a C. I just, I, I get it. I, get I think it. by the time I got to this on Reputation, I was kind of done with the album too. Oh yeah, it's it burns you out. This thing, it's just long, yeah. and there's too many songs that sound kind of like each other. Which brings us to the last song, which doesn't sound like anything on the record, and that's for good, and that's a good thing. So um, New Year's Day. I love New Year's Day. I think it's a classic in our catalog. I think it's the only like Stone Cold classic on. Reputation. I like Getaway Car, but I could understand why people are like maybe on the fence about it. But New Year's Day is a Taylor Swift song, straight up. It's the only, it's the one that you can most say it about. I think it sounds beautiful. I love the recording of the piano. You can tell it's a live piano recording. Like they did not do any production work on this song. It is just Taylor playing piano, and it works so well. I think the chorus is maybe a tad crowded with the lyrics, but I think the lyrics themselves make up for that. Because it's an incredibly relatable situation, like that she's describing. It's like we're kind of new, we don't really know each other that well, 
hey, but like, I would love to keep doing this. And like, hey, if we stay up, like, will you help me clean up and like share this moment for me with me? It is such an evocative scene. And of course, I mentioned this when we did uh, part two and talked about Speak Now. The please don't ever become a stranger bit echoes and parallels the end of Enchanted so well for me that I feel like it has to be on purpose. <laughs> I mean, this, this song is very reminiscent of old Taylor tracks, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is a very older Taylor track. Uh, I did have a little bit of a whiplash when I was hearing the piano melody because (laughs) it sounded like Olivia Rodrigo there. That's because it is. So yes, uh, this now is famous for being the basis for Olivia Rodrigo's song. I believe it's called One Step Forward. Yeah. Uh, Two two Steps Back. I forget what the actual title is. But yeah, it's, yes, specifically uses the piano line from New Year's Day. Um, So yeah, it's kind of lived on in that way, uh, in a way that the rest of the record really hasn't. So yeah, I think it's a strong way. It's what I think it's maybe my favorite last track on a Taylor record because of how different it is and how much of a like moment of like a bittersweet moment that it paints. I mean, do we count um, our song as the last song on a Taylor track? I mean, yes, it is. So, yeah, it's, that's definitely <laughs> strong. Uh, but, yeah, I think I, I like New Year's Day. And in a way, it is kind of a preview of the folklore era. Like, she'll take that kind of vibe and be like, oh, well, I can really strip down these melodies and just give you the, like, bare version, bare instrumental version of my songs. And people will still, like, listen to them and still love them. It was a good lesson for her to learn. All right. Now that we've bared down and gone through <laughs> reputation. Yes. We have one more album to get through. We're already an hour into this. Which is a <laughs> yeah. long one. I told you um, that this was going to happen. But yes, the Lover era is interesting because she basically takes the kind of backlash, uh, critical backlash of Reputation to heart and then makes an album that sounds totally nothing like it. It's still a pop album and there's elements of that production that she uses in Reputation here. But for the most part, it is purpose a purposeful pivot back to fun, fun pop songs. It feels like a sequel album to 1989. It's also a pivot in a way that I kind of hinted at earlier, which is that she finds a way to synthesize that writerly Taylor and the pop Taylor in the best possible way here. The only problem is, is that that ex- all that is true at the same time as leaning in all the way into cheesy Taylor. Sometimes too much for her own good. Lover is weird. It feels like a double album to me. It feels like like her like like just like Red does, where it feels like there's so many different things she's trying that not it's almost guaranteed that not all of them are gonna work. So some of her best songs and some of her worst songs are on this on this album. So let's get right into it yeah. with I forgot that you existed. Yeah. In that very kind of speak singy voice and tone. Yeah. To me, I feel like it's a pretty weak way to open the record. Um, My first note here is Corny Taylor is here. (laughs) I think it sets you up for the tone of the record pretty well, but it's kind of slow. and doesn't feel like that inspired to me. There's nothing interesting that really happens with the melody. Um, 
I do think it's notable to mention that this is basically the only uh, Calvin Harris diss track that I know about. (laughs) (laughs) Where it's basically just like she felt like, you know, it'd be funny if I wrote a song about how I don't even think about my ex-boyfriend anymore. Like, it doesn't even come to mind. Um, And yeah, supposedly this is specifically about Calvin. And I believe it. It's okay. It did give us the line, living rent free in my head. Yeah, but again, that's just her burrowing slang. If mm-hmm. Lover is, uh, if you can criticize Lover on one thing, it is that she borrows a little too much like modern slang from the time, and it's distracting sometimes. It is at, at its worst here in this song. I don't, I, like, I don't need to know that Taylor is in her feelings like more than Drake. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you get it. Uh, yeah, so I think it's kind of lame. I think it's kind of dumb. But thankfully, most of the record to follow is better. And it's followed with the loud, bombastic sound of Cruel Summer. I love Cruel Summer. I have my first note here is Song of the Forever Summer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love it's such a groove. It's got a fantastic chorus that reminds me of where kind of out of the woods left off, except better. And yeah, that that bridge, man. That bridge is just killer. It bring it builds on that out of the woods construction and feels somehow even more driving and has even better lyrics. Just the I love you, ain't that the worst thing you've ever heard? It just kills. It's just such a perfect, perfect line. And it just oh, I love this song so 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 much. It's on every single playlist I make of Taylor songs. Um, it's a classic for me. Yep. If Bad Blood had that exaggerated chorus, it's done better here in oh, yeah. Cruel Summer. Yeah. It's just more rhythmic. The lyrics work with the rhythm better than in mm-hmm. Bad Blood. And I think that's what makes it a better song. It's just, it's just, it's just like, it's just really just that momentum. It just punches every single second. And it's just like, all right, this is, this was when I knew that this album was going to be special was when I heard this song for the first time. I was like, oh, hell yeah. This is this is what I'm talking about. This should have been a single. Wait, was it not? It wasn't. Yes, that is the thing about Cruel Summer, is that it was going to be a single. Taylor yeah. said as much. But she ended up choosing me instead. Can you believe that? She went with me instead of Cruel Summer as the first single on Lover. Oh, the first single. Oh, well, no, this but it wasn't eventually... a single at all, though, because by the end of it, the only singles were Me, You Need to Calm Down, and Lover. Mm-hmm. She chose not to include Cruel Summer, and I think it's one of the worst decisions she's ever made. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Cruel Summer moves on. Yes. Speaking of Lover. Yes. And the album Lover. And the song. And let's be Never. honest with ourselves, this moves on too, because yes, the titular track is also an instant classic. Uh, this song is amazing. I love it. It's not quite an S for me because I think I have some issues with some of it. But like, generally speaking, though, it's a classic Taylor song now. It's also notably, she returns to her, uh, one of my favorite of Taylor's influences, Mazzy Star, just like she did on Red and it's, uh, specifically uh beautiful tragic uh sad beautiful tragic she, it's uh, except she's really evoking um fade into you here uh fa- famous mazzy star song but she puts her own spin on it and i think that that's what makes it less of a parody 
feeling like a parody and more like fully a Taylor song. The production on this is beautiful. It's so dreamy. I think this is Jack Antonoff at his best. There's, I think this is definitely the template that he then brings to Lana Del Rey's Norman fucking Rockwell. And it's why that album sounds as good as it does because Jack is in fully like orchestral, orchestral dream mode. And she's, and that starts here. Um, And also the bridge is so weird, but it's endearingly weird. Like the bit about saving every dirty joke for her. Like, I feel like we're learning so much about Taylor just from that bridge. <laughs> like, wait, Taylor likes dirty jokes? Like, Taylor wants, like, well, it's just, yeah, it's such a weird image. Like, it almost feels like an intimate, like, view, view into her personal life that we don't get in a whole lot of her songs. And so it's pretty unique. It's a loving, angelic, romantic sound. Almost a wedding song, you could say. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's also it also does the good thing that Taylor does, which is evoke that imagery throughout the song, the loving sound, the the feeling of it, and yeah. even the chorus, even though it's not that big, it's only like four lines. Mm-hmm. It's very romantic and just boils it down to at its simplicity, and when yeah. you can make it simple and still get a lot of feeling across, it's a source of a good songwriter. And I love how it can be this beautiful love song at the same time as being legitimately silly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a silly ass song, but also comes across as a love song. And then it's great. So yeah, lover moves on. Um, next up, we're pretty divided on this one. Uh, oh yeah, this was also a single. Um, the Man, which is exactly what you think it is. <laughs> uh, Taylor being a man. Yeah. I like the sentiment of this song. Uh, it's fine. I like it. Uh, I like the idea of Taylor being like, hey, um, my critics, like if I was a man, none of their arguments would hold water. I think she's mostly right. I do think, though, that it doesn't sound like there's something weird about the message of this song for me. Something doesn't sit right for me. I feel like she's maybe conflating some things here. Also, does she really want to be like, ha- like have people see her like we see Leonardo DiCaprio? Like, does she actually want that? Because I don't think she does. Well, not now. Talk- no, <laughs> but I think there's a lot well, maybe of Maybe not them either, too. <laughs> maybe That's what I'm saying is like, I think there's a lot of talking points on this uh, this song that don't sound super genuine to me, and I feel like she's grasping at straws, but I like the foundation of it. And that's ultimately why I've rated it pretty low. Uh, not only that, though, but also I just think that the song's a little overproduced. It reminds me of a lot of the production on Reputation. Just a little too much juice um, happening here, which makes the whole thing just not sit well. But I get why people like it. It is fairly catchy. It's a homage itself to Beyonce's If I Were a Boy song. It does remind me thematically a lot, but they're, they sound nothing alike. Well, yeah. They don't sound anything alike, but just the, <laughs> the, the evocative imagery of the double standard song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting song, but I yeah. I never liked it. So I don't I don't know. Uh, if you wanted to move on, it can, but I'd... Oh, no, it's okay. It doesn't need to move on because the next song is for sure moving Oof. on. I have the first note here I have for The Archer. The next song is All Rise for the Sagittarius Anthem. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor is a Sagittarius, and this is the most Sagittarius thing she has ever written. And it's called The Archer for a reason, because that's what Sagittarius is. Um, but 
I have it here not just because of that. It's also because this is where I, Taylor finally is just like, you know what? I'm just going to be completely honest and bear my own self-doubt. Like up to this point, she's only kind of obliquely referenced the fact that she's a human with human feelings besides love and revenge. Here, starting with the Archer and going into the next era with songs on folklore and Evermore and Midnight's, this we get an open picture of like, oh, wait, even Taylor Swift, even the most type A person in, in show business feels bad about where she's at sometimes. It's like she has nuance. She has she's can be in, introspective. She has she can be vulnerable. Um, Like it's just it's and it's kind of heartbreaking to hear Taylor do this because she hadn't done it before. And so to just hear her be like, I see right through me. She's not only worried that other people see through her, she has imposter syndrome as well. It's a song about her imposter syndrome and not feeling like she is the person that everybody thinks she is. She's been the, the, the hunter, but she's also been the hunted. Like, she feels like that even though she, like, yeah, she's just as much to blame as everybody else is. It's a rare moment, um, and it feels genuine. And it's paired with a really great pulsing upward momentum. I love songs that sound like this. Um, it specifically songs that have me the of, build up. Yes, uh, specifically it reminds me, and I have this written down. It's Taylor's "All My Friends." All my friends being the LCD sound system song. Like it drives up to a climax and it kills, and it's just so good. Uh, again, just like with "Lover," there's only about four or five lines here in the actual chorus. <laughs> yeah, but just like with lover, evokes a lot of imagery, puts a lot of emotion to it, and right into that bridge, it is mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. much on the same level as all too well. Oh yeah, and oh, I know I... we keep kind of saying that. Yeah, yeah. since the second time I've said that to this this episode, <laughs> but yeah, I think it, it earns it here. I think this song absolutely is a classic for her, and again, it's like a peer into the future for her, where she's able to be more vulnerable on her records. Like right. I said, that buildup, that bridge, yeah, just Absolutely. shoots off. It just classic. Goes so yeah, this moves on. It also sure. reflects on her vocal cords too. Oh yeah, it's a surprise too. She really pulls it off. Um, next up, I think he knows, um, which is all right. I think it's cute. Um, I have here that it's bouncy and fun, and I like the bridge a lot, especially the. I whisper in the dark. She just goes up that whisper really interestingly. And it just, it sounds cute. I don't have a lot else to say though. I just think it's cute. Um, you didn't think it was as cute. I think it's a hard song to follow the Archer. Thing, okay. And I think any song is a hard song to follow it. <laughs> so that's why I just gave it a C. It's like, you come off such a strong sounding um, vocal performance in the Archer. And it's just, slides right into I think he knows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe if I just heard it on its own, would have given it something else, but just very middling for me. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, it doesn't have to move on. It's just a, yeah, it, it's a fun, cute moment, I think. Um, what I like better is the song after that, Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. Um. I like this song a lot because it's just a vibe for me. It comes in all mysterious. I have gothic cheerleader written down. <laughs> I have the cheerleader echo here. 
Yeah. The back and forth go fight win stuff in the bridge is just, I don't know, it tickles a part of my brain. I really like it. I like that back and forth. Um, the stuff about the lyrics about like kind of talking about like almost like Americana and like American dream kind of way, like foreshadows a lot of the lyrical content on folklore. It just definitely shows you what her headspace was at the time. And it starts here. Um, I also think that um, the production like is fantastic on this. I think the piano line in the background is just really striking to me. And I love when the, Hey, here's one of our favorite things when the music drops and it's just Mm -hmm. to the drums at the bridge is just really cool moment. And the haunting background vocals, the, uh like it's i think it's a cool ass song is what i'm saying and to me it's a classic but i feel like nobody else is really on board no it does sound like it's a sequel to i want to say last kiss on speak now similar vibe but then it's also a prequel to song we'll talk about next time yeah. The Last Great American Dynasty. Yeah, in a, in a very different way. But yeah, like I, I like this song more than probably most people. But I could understand why maybe it doesn't move on because there's some hard hitters here. Yeah, well, I feel like like those three songs that I mentioned are kind of like a trilogy for Taylor. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, So let's skip that for now, then move on to a song that we're... Sp- split almost the reverse of on here which is paper rings um paper rings is a fun ass song it's just fun taylor's having so much fun here it is cute it always makes me think of the credits of a rom-com like if it hasn't (laughs) already been like that that, how it opens that it just feels like credit should be rolling like i just visualize it every single time and it would be perfect for that so somebody if that hasn't happened yet get on that somebody make that happen (laughs) Um, it also makes me think it's it uh, th- thinks so uh, it makes me think of Shake It Off. I have Shake It Off Part Two written here, um, but I think it's a little. Uh, I think that's because it does that um, kind of grainy kind of sound, especially in the beginning. Yeah, but also in the 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 kind of bouncy feel of it. And but the difference here is that this one has a killer key change, and like I said earlier, I'm a sucker for a key change. Yep, um, it's fun. It's upbeat. It's yeah. poppy. Um, and I think it's uh-huh. another. I think it's another example of a song where, without the layered production work here on the album, um, I think it would have not worked as well. But I think what helps it is, yeah, just listening to a nice pair of, it on a nice pair of headphones reminds you, it's like, oh, there's a lot of stuff happening in the background here, like a lot of like shouted vocals from Jack in the background. It's just like it's fun. It's, it creates an atmosphere that just seems like everybody's having a party. Now, does it feel like she almost ran out of words to say in the chorus? <laughs> because it, because she does the, uh-huh, uh-huh. that's right, uh-huh. yeah. darling. A little bit. It's almost like she should have borrowed some extra words from the chorus of uh, of uh, New Year's Day. <laughs> <Put them in> <laughs> here. <laughs> Anyways, I, yeah, I, with that said, though, even that even that being said, I think it's it's fun enough to at least be considered. So we okay. can move that on. Next up, though. Um, I think the Swifties think this is a classic, Cornelia Street. Um, I'm not as high on it as some super fans are, but I get why people love it. Uh, it's class. I have here classic Taylor storytelling with a modern sheen. Um, the barefoot in the kitchen part 
seems to parallel all too well for me, um, specifically like the dancing by the refrigerator light bit. Um, it seems like it's a very introspective um, yearning to this song. And I really like the idea, the concept of a song where she's like revisiting a location that means so much to her that she doesn't, that she feels like if something goes wrong, she can't even see it again. She doesn't even want to go to Cornelia Street. And that's just such an evocative feeling that I think is really relatable to a lot of people. There's like, it no, does, I don't, like, yeah, it I does can't even bring go to that, that strong visualization that she's known for in this song. Yeah. And at points, it does feel like a preview of the upcoming like folklore album that you do. Yeah, yeah. Structurally, a lot of folklore is built on this foundation, for sure. And that I don't want to lose you is just so sad. It's not the saddest part of the album. We'll get there later, but it's definitely very sad. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Cornelia Street's good. It maybe moves on for now. It's just, it's going to be, oh, this is going to be so hard. We'll push it over, but yeah, yeah. Uh, there's other songs that will probably out, beat it out. Yeah. Then we get to uh, another fun one, Death by a Thousand Cuts. I mean, I say fun, but the actual content of the song is not fun. <laughs> Taylor's going through something here, but it sounds, but the production makes it sounds a little happier than it is. Uh, the first note I hear is, hey, did Anna Kendrick ever do this in a Pitch Perfect? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like I like the song because it's got a fun, catchy melody, but the lyrics are what really pushes this up uh, up in the, the pantheon for me. The bridge by itself is incredible and just heart-wrenching. Trying to part, find a part of me that you didn't take up. Like, oh, it just really slams you. It's just like, no, like, I am completely was absorbed by you, and I need to get out of that feeling. But, like... I can't because you were so important to me when we were together. It's just brutal. Um, also, I have here, shout out to Gina Rodriguez and the Netflix film Someone Great, which was apparently the inspiration for this song. Really? Yeah. Did you ever see Someone Great? It's pretty good. No. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's it, Which is funny because Someone Great was also a script written inspired by, yes, you guessed it, a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> so in one of those weird so circular things art imitating life imitating art imitating exactly, life exactly exactly so yeah i think it's cute uh we've rated this the same uh so yeah yeah it, it has that strong visualization i think it's a great song mm-hmm. except for that hymn opening yeah the acapella opening like acapella i said very per- per- pitch perfect care uh, core yeah i think um uh, and yeah, it's fine. But yeah, once the song actually gets rolling, it's much better. And that bridge is just, yeah. I think it takes a little bit too long to get rolling. I agree. I agree. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely much better in comparison to the song that follows it. Oh, <laughs> uh, can we just skip this? No, we should talk about London Boy. Wait, do we have to? Because I literally did not write any notes. Uh, I wrote a it's... few, uh, but yeah, to be brief, I have here, um, excruciating, hate the lyrics, the weird production choices, and Taylor's awful attempts at a British accent. A boot? Uh, I think this is, yeah, <laughs> this is mostly notable for, my favorite thing about this song is when they had basically interviewed a bunch of actual British people uh, and to, to get their take on it, and they were like, all the places that she's mentioning suck. <laughs> it's my favorite thing i remember that every single time and to open it up with literally idris elba talking about a scooter like recorded from i think when he appeared on james corden yeah it's yeah 
it's just <laughs> brutal. It's just, it's such a weird choice. This is the kind of thing that like you write when you're in love with someone. <laughs> you're blinded to all taste. I, But to be fair, uh, people like the song. I think we're actually kind of alone here. Um, it's they generally like liked. Song? Yeah, it's generally pretty liked by Taylor Swift fans. So, hey, maybe we're wrong. Or maybe the kids are wrong. <laughs> or maybe it's not good enough for around the 16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. So he doesn't move on. Needless to say, it does not move on. It may be maybe the worst song she's ever written, uh, but it has some competition. We'll get to later. But before we get there, though, hey, the chicks are here. Um, in the song, soon you'll get better. Um, I think the best part of the song is that the chicks are here. Um, I love Natalie Maines' voice. I could hear her sing the phone book. Uh, the the blush arrangement is just incredible. It sounds wonderful. And her voice just works so well as backup for Taylor. I wish they would do this again. And maybe a song that wasn't so fucking sad. It's just so sad. Sometimes when I would play this the album a lot, I would skip this song just because of how sad it is. Um, just a touching tribute to her mother. Um, and, you know, the unfortunate situation that she's in because of her cancer. And it's just, uh, it's brutal. It's just so brutal. And it's unlike a lot of the songs on her in her career. I actually have note here. I think it's only second in sadness in the Taylor Swift over to Ronin, which I don't know if you're familiar. It's a bonus track on Red. No, I don't listen to any bonus tracks. They were not a part of this discography. I recommend, yes, (laughs) but I recommend listening to Ronin at least once because it's brutal. It is Taylor singing from the perspective of a woman who um, lost her four-year-old kid. Yeah, oof, Oof. it's so it's so sad. This is close. It's maybe second and saddest things Taylor has ever written. Um, A slight lack of dynamism keeps it from an A for me. It's like just a little slow and just doesn't do a whole lot for me um, compared. So I don't know if it moves on, but definitely just in in pure sadness, it's definitely a notable part of her catalog. Yeah, I just my notes here say that it's slow. It's sad, but it'll all be all right. I hope so. I hope so. Yes, thank you. Thank you for bringing up a better song. <laughs> Casey Musgraves is a rainbow. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on because uh, that song's not going to move on for us. But and maybe False God will. Oh, wait. No, you gave it a flaming D. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry and also not sorry. I listened to the song three times. <laughs> I couldn't understand a single thing about this song. Hey, Sexy Taylor is back. Um, is after it? a little brief break. <laughs> I think so. Um, it's unique in Taylor's catalog. I have down here that it might be her horniest song. Uh, I kind of love how odd of a choice it is, honestly, for her. I like the horns uh, and the lift she does on worship <laughs> every time is kind of cute. And I'm like, what is she going for? I'm still not really clear on what she's going for, but I think that's good because it doesn't sound like it's trying to imitate anything specifically. It's just imitating a vibe and it's a vibe that she doesn't have anywhere else. It's like a slinky, groovy song, which I'm like, I appreciate it. I appreciate the the bravery, the chutzpah it takes for t- Taylor to have put this on the record. 
uh, yes, there are sexy lyrics in here, especially in the chorus. Yeah. Uh, my The altar is my hips. Yeah, Jesus Christ, Taylor. I remember everybody <laughs> reacting to that, being like, what the hell? Oh, yeah, the fun part about from here on, from Lover On, is that you can actually look back to our podcasts uh, of the Media Boat Podcast where we reviewed these records when they came out. So Wait, do we do Reputation back. as well, 2017? We may have talked about Reputation early, and I bet I was way more down on it then than I am now. Uh, in fact, probably don't listen to that. <laughs> no, anyway. listen to it if you can find it. Yeah, somewhere <laughs> deep into it's a catalog. But yeah, I remember the reaction at the time of this song being like, Jesus, Taylor, okay. Like, all right. <laughs> um, but I like that for her. I think it's the energy the song gives me is like, you know what? Good for you. But not so much for you. No, not so much for me. <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't move on. It's fine. All also right. not moving on. You need to calm down. <laughs> uh, it's that yeah. song. It's fine. Um, it's pretty average for me. Um, I like the sentiment of it. I like that she's explicitly putting her politics on the table here. She's like, no, I'm I am for these uh, for the gay community. Like, don't get don't get it twisted. Like, because there was some theories, you know, going around in the reputation era where it's like, wait, what does Taylor believe in? Like, what is what is her thing? Is she like the secret right wing person? Why doesn't she say anything about these these um, political things? And and the lover era changes that she's straight up about how she feels about things. And I think it's better for it. If you want to see this happen in real time, go watch the Miss Americana documentary on Netflix. Um but yeah, I, I like you need to calm down in theory, but as a song, I don't get it. Um, well, that's why I like Mean better than this song. Yeah, but it's not even really comparable. Um, You're right, because like, Mean is a better song. <laughs> like Although I said you earlier, gave both of them D's. <laughs> yeah, like I said earlier, I like a Taylor message song to be less obvious. And yeah, this feels need to be obvious. obvious to me. Um, but the video is is kind of fun. Anyway, I don't know if there's much to, else to talk about. You need to calm down. I don't know. What do you think? No, I mean, it's a very, I mean, like I said, there was a lot of talk, especially before this album and leading up with Trump Reputation in 2017, mm-hmm. of Taylor not voicing political opinions. Like, where does Taylor stand? Taylor has, like, Three thousand, three million fans, three thousand fans, three thousand million fans. <laughs> at least three thousand, at least. <laughs> who will listen to her? And here she is, not saying anything. Oh yeah, she changed that. So, yes. Her. Yep. So yeah, a lot of political climate in that song. Yeah. Um. But yeah, let's move on though to Afterglow. Yeah, Afterglow. Um, I I like this song again in theory. But ultimately, it falls kind of flat for me. I like that it's a relatable scenario. I like the idea of her writing a song about like, well, my uh, my partner and I just had an argument. I feel weird about it. I know I'm in the wrong. So let's talk about it. I really like that. That's extremely relatable. Anybody in a long-term relationship has had that happen. Like that feeling, that afterglow feeling of like, Oh, I feel weird about that talk we had. Like, I wish I could take that back. Let's like break this down and I'll admit that I was wrong. I'll admit that I was guilty. Um, so I like that part of it, but I don't think the melody really meshes with the rest of the song. And I feel like a better bridge maybe would have helped it. 
it kind of just doesn't do a whole lot of stuff. It's not doing enough for me, but I like where it's coming from. There is a good song in here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good lyrics. There's a lot of good, like, traditional Taylor stuff, like talking about the color, ultraviolet morning light. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of stuff, especially in the chorus, too. Like, it's all me in my head, the one who burned us down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's definitely stuff in here, yeah, but it just yeah. falls short. I think it's well written. It just doesn't do enough melodically, I think, to mm-hmm. really propel itself. So we can move on. All right, ready to talk about the train wreck? All right. Your F. The second F on the so, record. Yeah, so when you were so when you uh when we talked about that we were doing a Taylor Attorney and you said yeah. you'd already put an F in here, <laughs> I had thought it might have been this song. I wasn't convinced yet. Yeah, just like London London Boy, I think you can legitimately ask, is this the worst Taylor Swift song? And I think this might be it. I think the lyrics are lame. I hate the drumline ass rhythm. Brandon Yuri shows up and adds nothing. Notable though, the Miss America America uh, or Miss Americana documentary <laughs> mentions that Brendan Yuri was sick during the recording of it, <laughs> and you can kind of tell uh, he doesn't really add anything. He's kind of boring here. He doesn't harmonize with Taylor well. The chorus is just so bad. Like you know how you had said, oh wait, sounds like um, maybe there was some lyrics missing. This song is the worst offender. It sounds like half the chorus is just ooh, ooh, oohs and, and, and sounds. It's not like there's the, where words should go. It sounds like an unfinished song in a lot of ways. And the chord progression is the, in my opinion, the worst offender here. It's just the, it's a, it's a classic chord pro- progression. I believe in the business, they call it the fifties progression because of how many doo-wop songs were written with that. But here, it just makes it sound so boring when you try to dissect it. It's just da 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 da. da. It's just like over and over again. It just makes for a boring pop song. It's a pop song that sounds like it's better than it is when you actually pull it apart and treat it as the pieces of of a song instead of as a, a full song. It really is glaringly obvious that it just was never going to work. It's you can tell that it's apart. a very lazy song because it rhymes me with me, me, with me. and you with you. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, it's just so lame. I, I, and I think she might know. I feel like she has to know because it seems like it's widely agreed upon that it's maybe the worst thing she's done. <laughs> it's just it's it's the moment where it's like this whole record it just tilts because it's like there's some so many good songs on it but the thing that people remember is oh yeah the album that had me as the lead single and it's just so <laughs> disappointing so depressing so if lover or cruel summer became the lead single instead yeah i wonder if history would have been different mm-hmm. <laughs> all right Maybe that's, that's like buried towards the end of the album. I think so. I think it's like buried here because she had nowhere else to put it. Also, pour one out for the original version of the song that had, Hey kids, spelling is fun. <laughs> Removed for the album version, and I think that's the right move. <laughs> Instead of just making this its own single, not putting it on the album. Put it on Brandon Yuri's album. Yeah, put it there. All right, let's move on to the last couple songs. We're almost done. 
Um, yep. It's nice to have a friend. I have here okay, the first what note. Even is this? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll answer that question. My first note is Taylor's Jamaican vacation. <laughs> uh, I think it's cute. I think it's nice that she was able to write a song that sounds actually legitimately chill. Like she sounds like she's calm. She sounds like she's collected. She's just talking about friendship. How nice it is to have a friend. Hey, even a friend that maybe becomes something more than a friend. It's nice. I like the sentiment of it. It's cute. It doesn't go anywhere though with that concept. Doesn't do a whole lot. It's not a whole lot happening. I like how it sounds though. So that's something. But ultimately, it's kind of forgettable. It's got a simple chorus, it's two lines, and it repeats itself. Yeah. It's nice like to have it. a friend. Yeah. <laughs> I like it all right, though. I think I like it because of how different it is from everything else she's done. Um, on an album that has a lot of things that are unlike anything else she's done. So I appreciate it in that way. But ultimately, yeah, I agree with you. It's just, it is, it, it just exists. It's there. And then that brings us to the last song on the album, Daylight. Yes. Daylight. Uh, Daylight's fine. I like the chorus all right, but when the bells chime right before the bridge, I think it really wakes the song up. Uh, I like the climax and I like the voice message at the end that kind of gives you the uh, the whole like mission statement for the album lover, where it almost specifically even... It almost just straight up says, hey, I didn't like who I was in Reputation. I'm going to rewrite my like persona is basically what she's saying there. And I don't blame her for doing that because I feel like a lot of people were very confused by the uh, the, 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 per- the person that Taylor was on Reputation. And she flips the script here. But the best part of the song, though, is the the part where she explains that her idea of love has changed it's no longer burning red it's golden and that the way she sings burning red to specifically evoke red on red is a cute full circle moment in the taylor swift catalog it's also got a very kind of nice spoken outro that she doesn't Mm -hmm. do on a lot of the other uh, songs at the end of her albums yeah, like I was saying, yeah, like that's kind of like the mission statement of the record. And it's like, it's mm-hmm. nice. It's a nice little piece. Also, uh, shout out to Midnight's as well, where, <laughs> with the line, um, Haunt Me in the Middle of the Night. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of songs that reference Midnight. It's kind of part of the problem. There's a lot of songs that reference 2 a.m., yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, and we'll get there. But but yeah, I, I think it says okay into the album, but it doesn't like strike me as classic, really. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's it for Lover, which means we need to recap uh, and like start taking songs out of the list of songs we moved on, starting with Blank Space, Style, Out of the Woods, Shake It Off, and Wildest Dreams from 1989, Delicate, Getaway Car, and New Year's Day from Reputation, and Cruel Summer, Lover, The Archer, Paper Rings, Cornelia Street, and Death by a Thousand Cuts from Lover. All right. All right, so we have 14 songs, and we, we need to pick... Four. Well, do we want to cut or do we want to lock? All right. Well, let's lock stuff that I think we can lock, which is blank yeah. space. I think, yeah. We lock blank space. We lock Cruel Summer. Yep. We lock The Archer. And that just leaves one song left. I mean, do you and agree with that we- or do you want to reconsider? 
Crusade. Oh, no, I agree with that. But okay. then that just leaves, do we have to put a song for reputation on here? Uh, we don't have to. Did we pick anything from debut? Oh, yeah, we did. Okay. Yes, we did. One song. <laughs> our song. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is, I think, when we have to do press elimination then, because I think I'm looking at Lover here. And I don't think I would move on. Like the only one, the title track lover would be, probably be the only one that I feel like we would move on. So that's a maybe, but I could do like, I could cut paper rings, Cornelius street and death by a thousand cuts. And then going up to 1989 out of those four, I don't think any of these move on. I I'm okay with cutting style out of the woods, shake it off and wildest dreams. So I think um... that, so the four that I've highlighted here are Shake It Off, Lover, Delicate, and Getaway Car. Kind of narrowing it down, just knocking out Style, Out yeah. of the Woods, Wildest Dream, New Year's Day, Paper Rings, Cornelius Street, and Death by a Thousand Cuts. I know how much you love Shake It Off. Um, now here's the thing, though. Does Shake It Off pair well with and beat anything else that we've put on here? I think it's going to be hard for me because I don't like it as much as you do. Because mm-hmm. um, out of the songs that are left, the only S's I gave are the reputation tracks. Right. So for me, and it's actually funny that you didn't highlight New Year's Day because I would take New Year's Day over Getaway Car. Or Delicate. I know you wouldn't. Yes, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I take Wildest Dreams or even Shake It Off over New Year's Day. Oof. Okay. All right. Well, if we're losing New Year's Day, uh, then to me, I think this is between Getaway Car and Shake It Off. Oh, really? You're not going to drop Lover like that? I don't want to drop Lover, but I don't feel as strongly about it, I think, as I do about Getaway Car. I think out of the two, I would personally pick Getaway Car. But I understand the argument for Shake It Off. I just know that if we sh- if Shake It Off makes it to the bracket, it's immediately going to lose to whatever it's against to me. It's going to lose to Sparks Fly? Probably. I'm just warning you now. Okay. Whereas I think Getaway Gar maybe has a better chance. So that's how I'm thinking of it. Is like, how can it compete against the classics? Uh, what I could see it beating is probably like Forever and Always. Yeah, that's like yeah. I feel like out of all the ones we picked so far, that's like the. But that's also like one. early. That's like early Taylor too. Yeah. Ooh, Getaway Car and shake it I, off. I'd say, I say Getaway Car, but. I understand Shake It Off. I say if one song is going to um, represent reputation on here. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be delicate. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm sorry. Wait, where were you going with that? <laughs> yeah, getaway Car. Yeah, it's Getaway Car. All right, Getaway Car. All right, so that means that the four songs that are moving on for the pop era is Blank Space, Getaway Car, Cruel Summer, and The Archer. Boy, this is going to be so hard. Um, So that will wrap it up for part three of our Taylor's Era's Tourney. 
uh, here on the Media Vote podcast. Almost a two-hour podcast here. Yeah, hey, just like last week. Um, so yeah, if you uh, want to see us wrap up the eras with the final era, the modern era, where we'll cover folklore evermore and midnights, tune in next time. So uh, get ready for that. Prep yourself, refresh yourself on the most recent Taylor records, and we'll be back to discuss what else we'll be moving on to our bracket of 16 in the Taylor Eras Tournament. Um, or if you're from the future, it might already be on the feed, ready for you to listen to now. <laughs>